knowledge of him. Because we recognize that the hope of our world is not in, in America or our government, but the hope of our world is in Jesus Christ, and he is our All right, well, tonight we are going to bring to a conclusion our study that we started, well, it's been about seven weeks ago now. We've been talking on Wednesday nights about handling our emotions biblically, handling our emotions biblically, and over the last seven weeks, We've looked at a number of different emotions. We've talked about anger. We've looked at fear. We looked at how to deal with grief in a biblical way. Uh, we even looked at how to deal with doubt in our life. Those are just a few of the ones that I would mention tonight. There are several others. But tonight we are going to bring to a conclusion this study. Now don't forget, beginning next Wednesday night, we are going to start, uh, start a study in the book of Daniel. We're going to be looking at the first six chapters of the book of Daniel, uh, one of my favorite books, and we're going to look at a man that really exemplifies, or a number of men in that book, who really exemplifies what it looks to walk by, what it looks like to walk by faith and not by sight. If you want to see some men of great faith, Read the story of Daniel that is found in the first six chapters. And so we're going to focus in on that. We're going to look at that. And then on the heels of that, we're going to start a study, a verse-by-verse -verse study through the book of Revelation. And so that's the reason why we're not going to look at the last part of the book of Daniel, because when we work through the book of Revelation, it's chapters of Daniel in that book as well. So that's kind of where we're going on Wednesday nights throughout the rest of this year. We won't finish the book of Revelation before the end of the year is over with uh, if we walk verse by verse with it. But we want to bring to a conclusion our study tonight. And really as I stopped and, and was just thinking about this study of handling our emotions biblically, I began to think myself, really began to ask myself the question, what is it that I hope that y'all would take away with you as we walked away from this study. And this is what I really hope that you will take away from this study. I hope that we have learned that we can express, express our, our emotions, emotions without being ungodly. We, we can express our emotions without being ungodly. Emotions in and of themselves are not sinful. Emotions become sinful in our life when we allow them to take control of our life rather than us controlling them. I want us to think about the greatest example of all. The greatest example of all is Jesus Christ. And as we read the New Testament, we see on more than one occasion Jesus Christ expressing emotion, don't we? Oh, yeah, I mean, think about this. When he cleansed the temple, it says that Jesus Christ experienced righteous indignation. Really what it means, experienced holy anger is what it means. And then there's times where we see that Jesus Christ, like we talked about last week, he just felt absolutely alone, didn't he? When he's hanging on the cross and he cries out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the Garden of Gethsemane, when he takes his three closest disciples into the garden with him to pray there, and he goes off a little bit, a little ways off and comes back, what happens each time those men were sound asleep, right? They were. And there is no doubt, this was in Jesus' greatest hour of need, and there's no doubt that he felt alone, even a sense of betrayal, 
by his apostles. So when we look, we even know that Jesus Christ experienced sorrow when we look at his life in the gospel. John chapter 11, he stood at the grave of Lazarus and he cried. Now, we can say, well, he, there's many different reasons that Jesus cried there that day and maybe it wasn't because of sorrow. But I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that Jesus Christ was 100% human just like we are as well as he was 100% God also. So Jesus Christ experienced everything that we experience in life, and yet he experienced it without sin. You see what I'm saying? So the range of emotions that we experience in life are the same emotions that Jesus Christ experienced in life, and yet he did it without any sin. So emotions don't have to be ungodly when we don't allow them to control the words that we speak to others, our attitudes, our actions toward others, they don't have to be ungodly if we practice them in self-control. Well, tonight we're going to bring it to a conclusion, and I don't really know if these two are as much of an emotion as I kind of think that they are. I'll let you kind of judge that, but I do believe that the two that we're going to talk about tonight is a good place to sum up our study on Wednesday night. Tonight, I want to talk to you about peace and contentment. Peace and contentment. Have you ever faced a difficult, a challenging circumstance in life where it just seemed to rob you of all of your contentment? You ever found yourself in life where it just seemed that you had no sense of the peace of God over your life? You ever found yourself in that situation? I think if we're honest, at some point in time, we've all experienced that in life, haven't we? I know there have been times in my life where I was very dissatisfied about some circumstance that was happening, and I allowed that to cause me to become very discontented at my circumstances. So the question I want us to ask ourselves tonight is this, how can we find peace and contentment in the midst of life's challenging circumstances? How can we find peace and contentment when we face challenging situations in life? I think we would all agree with this next statement. It's not a matter of if we will face challenging circumstances in life. It's simply a matter of when we're going to face challenging circumstances in life. Isn't that true? I don't know about you, but I've walked through my share of challenging circumstances, and I'm sure if you could share, you would share many testimonies of the challenging circumstances that you've experienced. Well, there is a, there is a psalm that I believe helps provide the answer to that question. If you have your copy of God's Word, I want you to open it up to Psalm 62. Psalm 62. Actually, this entire study has been based in the book of Psalms. And the reason I chose this book is perhaps nowhere do we see writers' emotions more on display than we do in the book of Psalms. Isn't that true? I mean, think about it sometimes. These guys are just pouring out their heart before the Lord, aren't they? Man, they're crying, why, God, have you forsaken me? Lord, why do I feel all alone? There are times that we see they're struggling with depression. We looked at that psalm, didn't we? Where it just said he felt like he was in the depths in the dark, in a deep, dark hole. Well, we've experienced that as well, huh? 
There's no book that helps us to see emotions up close and personal more than the book of Psalms. And there's no writer of the Psalms that I believe displayed his emotions more in his writings than that of King David. Would you agree with that? Man, I tell you what, when you read the Psalms that David wrote, man, he is just open and honest with God, isn't he? You know, that's what God desires of all of our lives, isn't it? He just wants us to be transparent. He wants us to be open and honest with Him. I really believe this is the reason why it says in the Word of God that David was a man after God's own heart. He was just open and honest. Before his life read like an open book, he never held anything back. As a matter of fact, if you're experiencing some kind of emotion in your life today that has the potential to take control of your life and grip you and not set you free, I would just encourage you, confess it to the Lord. If you're angry with God, tell God you're angry with Him. David does. If you're experiencing fear in your life, take that to the Lord. Express that fear to the Lord. And whatever else you may be experiencing, if there's doubt or loneliness, grief, whatever it is, just express it to the Lord. Well, Psalm 62, as I stated just a moment ago, is a psalm that is written by David. You look in the inscription, it is there very clearly for us that David is the writer of this psalm. Now, we're not certain about the circumstances surrounding this psalm. We're not, really, we're not sure about what's going on in David's life. But it seems as though there are two possibilities. One is perhaps when David was running from King Saul. David had been anointed king of Hebron. And when he was anointed king of Hebron, this did not set well with Saul. And so what was Saul doing? Saul's pursuing him. Saul's trying to kill him. And so what is David doing? David is hid out in caves. He's on the move, on the go all the time. You can imagine if you found yourself in those circumstances, that would lead to a little bit of discontentment in your life. Probably the peace of God would not be reigning over your life if you found yourself in that situation. Wouldn't you agree with that? Or maybe the situation is possibly when his son, Absalom, rebelled against him. We've talked about that event a number of times as we've walked through the Psalms. We know what happened there. He ran David out of Jerusalem, is what Absalom did. If you've ever gone through challenging family circumstances, you know exactly what I'm, how easy it is to become discontent in the midst of that. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, man, yeah. Or, you know, if you found yourself in that situation, you know what I mean. Well, in this psalm, David is going to offer us three ways. Three ways we can find peace and contentment in the midst of life's challenging circumstances. You're going to see those listed on the paper that I've given you tonight. So let's just jump into this study. I have really enjoyed studying through this psalm today, just really pouring over it. I sat down, I usually put my notes together on Tuesdays for my Wednesday night Bible study. And then after just spending time in my notes, I've just been pouring over this psalm. It is such an awesome psalm to hear. David just pouring out his heart before the Lord. So the first way we can find peace and contentment in the midst of life's challenging circumstances is this, by looking to God instead of looking at our circumstances. By looking to God instead of looking to our circumstances. Can we all be honest with one another tonight? I hope we can. 
isn't that easier said than done? Isn't our tendency when we find ourselves in the midst of challenging circumstances to focus on what? The circumstance, not to focus on the Lord, right? But in this psalm, David makes it very clear his focus is completely on God. As a matter of fact, David starts this psalm by proclaiming that his faith is in God and God alone. I want you to listen to what he says here. Look with me in verses 1, and we're going to read down through verse 4. I want you to hear what he says. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Can you see the circumstances that David find himself in? To me, it seems as though perhaps he is speaking about his enemies here. Whether that be Saul or whether that be Absalom, whoever it may be, it seems as though his enemies are being victorious in his life. They're coming out on top. And so what does uh, David say here? For alone, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. Two different times David makes that statement in the opening verses. Essentially what David is saying is my faith is alone in God. My faith is in God and there is nowhere else that I will put my faith. In the midst of my challenging circumstances of life, David boldly proclaims, I will look to the Lord. I will not focus on my circumstances. David proclaims that. Actually, there are two words in these opening verses, verses 1 through 4, that help us to understand the context in which David is speaking these words and also help them, helps us to make right application of this passage to our life. The first word is the word that I just mentioned to you. It is that word alone. David, as I stated early, boldly begins his time by proclaiming that his faith is in God and God alone. It's nowhere else. It's not in his circumstance. It's not in himself. It is in God. The second word that we see here in this text is this word silence. I would actually encourage you to underline that word silence. Actually, the Hebrew word there is translated rest is what it is. So this is what David has said, for God alone my soul waits in rest. David is saying, I will find rest in God. In the midst of my challenging circumstances in life, I will look to the Lord, and when I look to the Lord, I, my soul will rest in Him. It will not rest anywhere else. You know what David is saying? In the midst of my challenging circumstances, I find fulfillment in the Lord. Now, isn't that the exact opposite of what we see the world do? Isn't it? What does the world do? Let's think about it for a moment. Where does the world seek to find fulfillment? In themselves. Where else? Material things. Relationships. Isn't that true? They'll even seek to find fulfillment in alcohol, in drugs, don't they? Yeah. But not David. 
That's not where David is looking to in the midst of his challenging service. He's not seeking to find fulfillment in the things of the world. He's not focused on his circumstances. He's focused on God. Now, did you hear how David described God in this passage, in these first four verses? Listen to some of the words that he uses here. I want you to go back up to verse 2 and look at it here. He says, He alone is my rock, my salvation, my fortress. That's how he describes God. When he uses that word rock here, he's referring to strength. God is his strength, is what David is saying. When he uses this word salvation, David is saying, God is my defender. When he uses the word fortress, he's saying, God is my protector, is what he is saying. So this is what David is saying in these opening verses. If we could summarize it in this way, and I think we can. He is saying, I find my rest in God alone because he is my my defender, my protector, and my strength. David understood at best his circumstances were unreliable. To put his faith in his circumstances would be utterly disastrous for his life. So David says, I will, not focus my, I will not focus my heart and my mind on the circumstances of my life. I will focus my heart and my mind on God, who is my strength, who is my defender, who is my protector. That's where I will focus my attention. That's what David is saying. So I would say to us, as we step away from this first one, right here, I would say we find contentment and peace in life by looking to the Lord instead of looking at our circumstances. I would encourage you to do something. If you find yourself in challenging circumstances right now, if you're going through some difficult situation in your life, I would encourage you, just get on your knees before the Lord and just pray this prayer. Lord, Move my focus from my circumstance and just help me to focus on you and who you are. Remind me of your greatness. Just help me to keep you at the center of my focus. And I'll tell you, if we will do that, we can find peace and contentment in the midst of challenging circumstances. All right, so that's number one. Number two... How can we find peace and contentment in the midst of challenging circumstances? Number two, by trusting in God, not trusting in ourselves. Let me say it again. By trusting in God, not trusting in ourselves. I don't know about you, but I think I've shared this with you all a little bit before. I'm a fixer. Haven't I shared that with you before? I think when we were going through our marriage time when we was going through the Song of Solomon, I shared with you that I'm a fixer. So when my wife comes to me with a problem, the first thing I do is I move right into fixer mode. And I'm going to fix whatever her problem is. And I've had to learn over the years that what she really doesn't need is for me to fix her problems as much as she just wants me to listen to what is going on. And so sometimes when I jump into fixer mode, she just looks at me and says, that's not what I need. I just need you to listen. Just listen. And really what she's saying, don't engage your mouth at all. Just engage your ears. That's what she's really saying. That's what she's wanting me to understand. Well, the tendency is because I'm a fixer, when I find myself in challenging circumstances, you know where I put my trust? Me. 
That's what I do. I look to my own ingenuity. I look to whatever intellect that I have, whatever resources that I can pull from to fix my circumstance. Aren't we all guilty of that? Yeah. Aren't we all guilty? And what we need to do is trust in the Lord. We experience true contentment in life when we learn to fully trust in the Lord. I want you to see this in this text. I want you to look at verses 5 through 8 with me tonight, and I want you to hear what it is that he's going to say here. Look with me beginning in verse 5. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from Him. Now I want us to stop right here. And the reason I want us to stop right here is I want us to contrast verse 5 with verse 1 because it seems as though he is repeating verse 1 in verse 5, but I would say that's not true. Go back up and listen to what Paul, I mean what David says in verse 1. For alone, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. Verse 1 is a proclamation. David is acknowledging that his soul rests in the Lord, that his faith is alone in God and no one else. Come down now to verse 5 here and listen to it again. For God alone, O my soul, now look what he says here, wait in silence. It is a command. Do you know what David is doing? David is commanding himself to wait. Trust in the Lord. Something has happened in David's life. We're not sure what has happened in David's life, but at this point right here, he's no longer proclaiming that he trusts in the Lord and God alone, or his faith is in God alone. Now he is commanding himself to wait in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. That's what he's doing here in this passage of Scripture. Now, it's subtle but it's so significant, and I don't want us to miss that. One moment, we can be exactly where we need to be in our relationship with God. We can be experiencing and enjoying contentment and peace, and at the very next moment, we are struggling again, just like David was. It happens so easy in our life, isn't it? Doesn't it? One moment we're, we're going so well, we're content in the Lord, we're experiencing the peace of God in our lives, and then what happens? Circumstances overwhelm us, and what takes place? We lose the peace of God over our life, and we lose our sense of discontent, I mean, we lose our sense of contentment that we had in the Lord. Isn't that so true? You see, we're not a whole lot different than what David is. So you know what David's going to do? David is going to remind us of the importance of trusting in the Lord. Listen to what he says here in verse 6. Now he's going to go back and he's going to proclaim again some, uh, 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 proclaim again some of the attributes that he's already spoken about God. Listen to what he says. He only is my rock. In my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be taken. I mean, I shall not be shaken. It's almost as though David is reminding himself again of what he's already reminded himself of previously about God. On God rests my salvation and my glory. 
my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Right here, now look in verse 8. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. That's a great verse. I would encourage all of us just to go home and to memorize that verse tonight. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is... God doesn't know what I'm going through. Let me say something. God knows exactly what you're going through. He doesn't make any mistake here when He calls for us to trust Him at all times. All times. All is the most important word in that verse. Actually, this word trust here means to rely upon. It's a very unique word in the Hebrew. The word trust here in the Hebrew paints the picture of us or for us of a baby relying on his or her mother. Now I want us to think about that for just a moment. We've all had, or I've not had any, I've had babies as a father. I've not given birth to any babies. I want to make that clear. But you under, we understand what it is to have a baby, Right? Yes. Have you ever seen a small baby, like a baby like these two babies over here, eight weeks old? They are completely dependent upon their mother for everything in life. Their sustenance comes from their mother. Their clothing is placed on them. When they need their diaper changed and they need to be cleaned, it is the mother that cleans them. They are totally relying upon God. We oftentimes don't do that. But that's exactly what David is calling for us to do in this text. In the same way that a baby would rely upon his mother, we are to rely upon God. Trust Him. Everything rests on Him, is what David is saying. That's challenging. Isn't that so challenging? Man, when I studied through this passage of Scripture, it was just like God was like, hey, this is for you. He was like saying, you need to open your eyes. You need to really think. In the midst of challenging circumstances, our contentment and peace is dependent on on how willing we are to trust in the Lord. I mean, completely rely upon Him. Nothing else but Him. As a baby would rely upon their mother. That kind of trust. That is our challenge. And that's the challenge that David presents before us. Now, in verses 9 and 10, you know what David is going to say? He's going to offer a warning here to us. He's going to offer a big warning. And this is the warning he's going to offer to us. In the midst of challenging circumstances, it is tempting to look to our own resources rather than trusting God. David is going to warn us, don't do that. All of that is fleeting. It is but a breath here today and gone tomorrow. Listen to what he says here. Those of low estate are but a breath. 
Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Don't do that is what David is saying. Don't put your trust in the things of the world is what David is saying. Now, David is not saying that we don't go out and work and earn a living. That's not what he's telling us in here. That would surely contradict what we read in other passages of Scripture. But what he is telling us to do here is, as followers of the Lord, we should completely rely upon Jesus Christ in all circumstances of life. That's what he's saying to us. So, how do we find peace and contentment in the midst of challenging circumstances? Well, we find it by trusting in God and not trusting in ourselves. Number three, we find contentment and peace by understanding God's character and resting in it. By understanding God's character and resting in it. Now I want you to listen to what David is going to write in the closing two verses of this psalm. Listen to how he starts the closing of it. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this. Now I want us to pause right there. I wasn't really sure exactly what it was that was being meant by that phrase. So I did a little research and what I came to understand was this. This is the Hebrew way of saying many times repeatedly the words David is about to write are words that he has heard a number of times in his life actually what David is saying here these words have been repeated so much he's heard them so much they are written on his heart that's what he's saying he's heard these words spoken so many times impressed upon him by God, they are literally written on his heart. That's amazing, isn't it? It's what David is saying. It seems like what David said in another passage of Scripture, I have hidden God's word in my heart that I may not sin against him. Man, that's a powerful word for all of us tonight, right? Well, that's what David is saying. Now, I want you to listen to what he's going to say here as he brings it to the close. What he's going to do, he's going to remind us of two great attributes of God that we should hang on to in the midst of challenging circumstances. Listen to what he says here. Verse 11, Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this. Here it is. That power belongs to God. God is powerful. Now, when I say that God is not just powerful, He is all-powerful. Isn't that true? I want you to think about that for a moment. No matter what challenging circumstance you and I may be walking through right now, no matter what it may be, maybe you've received a bad diagnosis from the doctor, maybe your, your family or, or your marriage is on the rocks, or maybe you're experiencing a challenging work situation in your life, or you're going through challenging family dynamics. It does not matter what it is. I want you to know God is greater than all of that. God is greater than all of that. He's greater than that. 
And that's what he's saying in this passage of Scripture here. He is greater than all that. Nothing compares to the greatness of God because God is all-powerful. He will give us the strength that is needed to face whatever circumstance may come our way in life. He's all-powerful. And He can give you and I the strength. But now listen, this is important. We have to be willing to look to the Lord, trust in the Lord, call on the name of the Lord, asking Him to give us the strength. And you know what He will do? He will give us the strength that we are needed to handle whatever challenging circumstance may come our way in life. So God is all-powerful. But he doesn't stop there. Listen to what else he's going to say here. He says that the power belongs to God and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. God's love is steadfast. In other words, God is faithful in his love. Now, I want us to think about that for just a moment, all right? I am so very grateful that God is not Fickled in his love like we are. This is the good news, all right? God is not going to wake up in the morning, which God never sleeps or slumbers, so he's not going to wake up anyway. But he's not going to say in the morning, you know what? That Jeff Lowe, you know, he's failed me again. I cannot believe. He and I have dealt with this so many different times in his life, and he keeps coming up short in this one area of his life. He failed. You know what? I just don't think I'm going to love him anymore. That's not how God works. God is love. His very nature is love. And because God is love, there is nothing that we can ever do as children of His, that can change His love toward us. Amen? There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Amen? Romans chapter 8, that we've read. Let's just go over there just to remind ourselves of those verses. I know you know. Some of you could probably even quote them. I had them memorized at one time, but it's those passages of Scripture. If I don't look at it all the time, I just don't, I don't have it memorized as well as I should. But listen to what he says here in verse 37, chapter 8 of the book of Romans. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, the next time in you're the, in the, you find yourself in the midst of some challenging circumstances in life, Go to that passage of Scripture. Just go to Romans chapter 8. Read the entire chapter. It is one of the greatest chapters, if not the single greatest chapter in all of the Bible. It is about life in the Spirit. And he concludes with those verses. Nothing can separate us from the love. Let that sink in for a moment. Just let it sink in for a moment. There is nothing you and I can ever do to make God love us any more than God loves us at this very moment.
God loves with an unconditional love, an unchanging love. It never, ever gets any different. He won't wake up in the morning and say to you or say to me, well, I just don't think I love you anymore or you're just unlovable and I can't really love you as an individual. It just won't happen. It just won't happen. Folks, when we grow in our understanding of God's nature and character, it reminds us in the midst of challenging circumstances, God is sufficient. God is sufficient. He is sufficient. The more we understand about who God is, His nature and the character, the more peace we have and the more contented we will be it is possible to find peace and contentment in this world when we look to God instead of our circumstances when we choose to trust in the Lord rather than trusting in ourselves, and when we focus on the character of God and we rest in it there you go Finding peace and contentment in the midst of life's challenging circumstances. You can find it, folks. You can find it. All right. We are going to bring it to a conclusion with a word of prayer tonight. Thank you so much for being here. Next week, we will jump into the book of Daniel. We're going to talk about how to walk by faith in all circumstances of life. There's no better example of that than Daniel himself. Let me pray us out of here tonight. I hope that you...